Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. All right, so I want to um, get into the Word of God. If you have your Bible, we're at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm doing a series um, called It's the End of the World as We Know It. And um, if we go back to the title, just go to the title slide. Just let me set this up for a moment. Uh, I want to talk about the reality. Um, Today's message will be um, living with eternity in mind. And um, I'm not much of a runner. Uh, my wife enjoys running. She, she actually literally enjoys running. It's, it's, a, it's a joy. And um, we went, um, we were away um, for, for something that we had to attend, and she decided that she would go for a run. And I didn't really know what else to do, but I thought, yeah, I'll go for a run, and I'll, I'll, I'll join her. And I didn't have all the equipment. I didn't have headphones. I, did, I had my phone. And I just not really, I don't normally do this. She's fully into it, and that's exactly how far to go. And I'm there, and I'm like, you know what? There's a lighthouse. That can't be that hard from where we were. And I'm like, I'll get to there. That's fine. I can, that's, that's pretty good. And so we're, we're running along together for a, for a very short period of time. And um, I, I began to look around at a whole bunch of other people that just looked like it was easy. Like, I'm, and I'm like, she's not just, she's talking, I, I can't talk, like, it's not going to happen. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not that unfit, but I just find running challenging for, for a variety of reasons, which I'll explain. But as we're going along, I'm just looking around a whole bunch of other people, and I'm thinking, looking at what they're wearing, I'm looking at how old they are, I'm looking at how old I actually feel, going, oh my goodness, and just, just... Why would you do that? Why would you run with your dog? Why do you do this? I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. And meanwhile, the lighthouse that I was going to and coming back is just not getting any closer. And my wife has this point just gone a little bit further because she's like, okay, you go faster and you go slower. I'm like, I'm just going. That's all. I've got one speed and I'll get there. But the lighthouse was just not there. So she's gone beyond me. I don't have anything to listen to. And so I have my own internal dialogue was like, this is a dumb idea. You could stop now, no one would know, except if you use this as a sermon illustration. But you, you could just keep going or you could get there. How much further? If I just stop at the next coffee shop, that's probably good enough. Like no one would know. I would feel fine. It'll, she'll be at least 40 minutes or more by the time she's get back. And we just, I've still got a hotel key. Thank God that was a really good idea. I've got this internal dialogue going on. And do you know what happened? I rounded the corner and then I stopped. I think I ran 700 metres. It felt like four kilometres. It really did. And, and the lighthouse that I was running to, I was just too far. And I want to tell you that we are in a spiritual marathon. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. What is your perspective when it comes to your faith walk? What is your narrative as you go along? Because I didn't have a sermon, a podcast, an inspirational speech, which I normally would do, getting me, distracting me from the pain, the issues and the problems. I just had my own internal, this is dumb, this is stupid. Just give up. No one would know. Just give up. 
What is your narrative when it comes to your faith and running for Jesus? And what are you focusing on? See, I was looking at the lighthouse, but I that was too too far away. So I'm going to look around other people who are walking, thinking I should just walk. I could just walk. I don't need to run. And then I have people walking the other way. I'm like, I should follow them. I should just go back to the hotel. That would just be a better and wiser idea. I want to look. I want to look at a passage of scriptures um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul is writing to a very affluent society about how they should live with eternity in mind. How can they, with all of their jobs, their financial uh, excitement, pressures, family, marriage, uh, relationships, opportunities, business, all of that stuff. So the Corinthian church is quite a wealthy church. It was probably one of the, the, the populous, uh, economic, prosperous uh, cities at the time. And Paul writes to them. And I want to look at, he uses a bunch of metaphors. So we're going to continue with the metaphors today because that's helpful. So here we go. Let's gonna re- we're going to read from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And um, we need to fix your focus on Jesus. Therefore, we do not lose heart. What he's just talked about is a whole bunch of problems and opportunities and difficulties that he has faced, that we face by following Jesus. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what's seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Like it's just quite wordy. You think, just make it clearer. He's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus because your body will be, is waste, outwardly we are wasting away. Let inwardly be renewed day by day. We can talk about the spirit later on. Because what? Our light and murmuring troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen. What are you focusing on? The encouragement in this passage is to focus on Jesus. Because everything else, including your body, will fade away. So we fix our eyes on what we can't see. And this is the challenge. In a very prosperous, amazing society where everything's great and we're taught and the world is going, have more of what you need now, consume, do all that you can right now because that's the most important thing. When actually the Corinthian church, what he's trying to say, you need to lift your elevation, look through this thing. In fact, I'm just going to, he's like, put on, these glasses, that you're able to see through the situation. The more than just the temporary, you'll be able to see through to eternity. And that is what we need to be focused on. That gives us perspective so that these light and momentary troubles, and you look at verse 7 to 12, he says they were hard-pressed, they were persecuted. There's incredible persecution and opposition to live a righteous and a holy life, and if you stand up for Jesus. And yet he just says it's a light and momentary troubles. That's the sort of, how how do you do that? How do you even possibly even die for Jesus? Not that we base that possibly in our society, but how do we do this and call them light and momentary troubles? It's actually by looking through the time and place to see Jesus fixing 
our eyes on Jesus. So I wonder if you can just do an exercise with me just for a moment. If you could just close your eyes, not that it's any more spiritual, but because there are people like me who on that run, you're fully distracted and you are not focused on anything. So just for a moment, just want to do a quick exercise if you can. So over the past month, as you close your eyes, even if you're watching online, and where you were challenged to step out and live for Jesus, obey him, submit to him, live for him, honor him, do what it is, but you found it hard. Maybe it was saying no to a particular addictive behavior. Maybe it was forgiving someone. Maybe it was standing up for, uh, standing up for righteousness or standing against unrighteousness, serving someone, serving, serving in church, giving up your free time, the inconvenience of time or energy. Maybe you were ridiculed, you're persecuted for your faith. Maybe you're honoring God by giving. Maybe it was practicing hospitality, whatever it is. Look at that situation. And I want you to see Jesus in the middle of that situation. So if you're at work, if you're at home, wherever you are, I want you to use the mind's eye if you can and imagine that Jesus is standing, sitting, he's in the car with you, wherever it is that he's actually there in that same moment of opposition, of trouble, of difficult situation. See, so look at me for a moment. It changes everything when you can see Jesus. If you're just doing it and it's hard work, it's still hard work. But when Jesus is there with you, it's light and it's momentary. It changes, it puts it into perspective. And I want to encourage you today to fix your focus on Jesus. Um, Catherine and I um, were away the other week and met up with someone that was in her connect group that she um, did for many years. This is back in our old church. And she was a part of it and, and, and labored in it and did it. And at the, at the time, if we're really honest, it, 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 connect groups are wonderful. It's a great way to actually meet people, know people, and be really and real and honest and help you in your faith. But as you do them, they're not always the most remarkable. No one said, to, that, was, that was incredible. Thank you so much for opening your home. Thank you. That was oh, so I was touched by Jesus. That was amazing. They just go, thanks, see you next week. And they go, and you do that. And people, people go, yes, I can't make tonight, like at 7.28, two minutes before they're meant to be there. All of the challenges that normal human beings do. And sometimes you go, why am I doing this? And of perspective changes this. And so we, we met with one of the people that was part of Catherine's Connect Group. And we were, I was just saying, hey, can you remember that Connect Group, which is a joy and it's fun, but sometimes it's hard and difficult and a challenge, like anything that we do for Jesus. And we were like, hey, this person's now serving in ministry and this person, that person's now serving in, like they're, they're all, there's three of them that are actually pastors serving in did you ever realize that, that from that environment that some of these people would actually ever do some of this stuff? And you're like, wow, no, no. But as you see the perspective, as you see through the eyes of eternity beyond the here and the now, to look through the past, the temporary, began to make sense of some of the suffering, the difficulties, the challenges that we face. Second point, the tent is temporary. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, what he's talking about is our physical body. As good or as bad or as challenged as it is, as disabled or abled, as fragile or virile, whatever it is, we know that 
that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. There's this whole idea we long to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. And Romans 8 talks about this in-between phase of where we saved and we love Jesus and we're not fully in the glorified body that we will have. And so we groan as we're in this world to be clothed. Not that we're physically naked, but Paul's trying to say, actually, in comparison to what we will be dressed like and how we will live, pretty much naked. Instead, we are clothed. We will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that phrase. I can't, this whole week, I've not been able to go move past that phrase without just realizing how much this new creation that Jesus has for us is actually we, as, as good as we are, when we die, what he's saying is when we die, we're swallowed up in life. It's like this door that you go through and it's life. It's not even, oh, there's something on the other side. You are swallowed up in life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, because that's the way that God created us, who has given us of this spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I want to talk about that in a second, but just go to the next slide just to show you what Paul is trying to do here. He says the human body is an earthly tent built by human hands and we groan and we long. Um, we, are, we are naked and we groan and are burned and we're mortal versus the heaven, the heavenly, the new creation, which is a building from God, eternal house in heaven, clothed instead with our heavenly Dwelling, that should be on the other side. Somehow in the form and it didn't work. We are clothed. We have a heavenly dwelling. We are swallowed up by life. He is comparing where we are in our current state with what we will be, which is incredible. So if we go to the next slide. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, this is our destiny. This is why we were created. Who has given us the spirit, who has deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know, if you've ever bought anything expensive and you've had to sort of, I, I can't afford all of this right now. And so you put a deposit down. It's generally a sizable deposit, is it? isn't it? It's not just, oh, look, I'll give you uh, 1% of this thing. No, it's a, it's a sizable deposit. What Paul is saying is what we're experiencing right now is the Holy Spirit in us is just a deposit. In fact, there's, there's way more to come. There is more to come. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty amazed at that. Like, I think that if this is 10%, if this is 50%, this is 25%, I don't know what percentage it is, it's only a deposit. What we're experiencing, the life, the infilling of the spirit, the peace, the joy, the hope that we have is just a deposit. And that what that purpose is for you to go, you know what, one day, I will see Jesus in heaven, and that is my guarantee. It's just a temporary guarantee that he's coming back, that he will come back, and that we will see him face to face. And what we need to understand is that this tent, this human body, 
is temporary. And Paul, uh, Peter talks about this. Oh, I'm going to put off this tent. He talks about this, the fact that he's probably going to die soon. He says, I'm going to put off this tent and I will see Jesus. The third point that I want to bring up, because this is the, the metaphor he's trying to say. It's where, where is your focus? This tent is temporary. And the third point he's trying to say to them is home is where the heart is. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Home. What does that word mean to you? You you can travel to incredible places around the world. Go to space even. Wherever it is, but it's only temporary. As great as the sight is, as great as the smell and the, and the experience and all of that is, your people aren't there. Your family are not there. They might be with you, but they're only transitory. They can't put down roots. It's not the place of, I'm home. I'm settled. Have you ever gone away on a, on a vacation, a holiday for a period of time, and you, you come back home, you walk through the door? It's even better if you're one that's coming back and then the family are there or people there that, that know you're part of your home. You, 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 there's nothing like that greeting. It's like, home. Oh, that's, that's where your heart should be. And really what Paul's trying to say is we now, this is not our home. You have your place where you live, and it's called home right now. But where is your heart? It's meant to be we with him in heaven. There is this a future place, a building from God, which will eventually come to the new heavens and new earth. But that's where our home should be. That's where we should be longing for. That's the place where you go, ah, I put down my bags, and they're greeting me, and it's chaos, it's exciting, it's fun. That, that's what he's talking about, what death is going to be like for a Christian. If you don't follow Jesus, it's just saying yes to him, coming to him, and because Jesus has done everything for it, because his life, death, and resurrection has paid the price, has obliterated our sin, that we can stand and before we come into heaven, come into the place where God is, where he's holy and righteous and amazing. That is the only way we can get there. And that's just saying a simple prayer and submitting to him, that's when we as Christians go, go into whatever that actually looks or feels like when we come to this place that Paul says is home. So where is your heart? But I want, I want to say, are you confident? He, he's like, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we're home in this body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, we prefer to stay away from the body and be at home. You can have confidence that if you believe in Jesus, you will have eternal life. I, I have confidence today. It's not because, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I genuinely mean, when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. It's not, and I have the confidence that I have in that is not because of anything that I have done. It, it is by grace, Paul writes in Galatians that we are saved through faith. It's not of anything that I do. I'm not that smart enough. I'm not that good enough. I know how evil I am. I know how bad I am. I'm willing to give it up. 
I'm willing to chat, you like, but, but by myself, but because of Jesus, and Paul writes in the rest of this chapter that we are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand before Jesus. I'm going to see him. And that we have this confidence. There are lots of people in our world that don't know Jesus yet. And that was a great, powerful prayer time. because That's where we're going to end this morning. But this whole idea, they don't know what happens after death. They're unsure. But we are sure because Jesus is already there. He's gone to prepare a place for us. That's what he said in John 14. And so there we, we have confidence. It's our place. Again, the challenge for us within living with eternity in mind is as much as we make this place our home, it isn't our final destination. It isn't our home. We are pilgrims. We are tourists on the way. So let's go to verse 9. I want to camp here just for a moment, if we can. So we need a readiness and reward. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. So whether we live or we die, we make it our goal to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, I, in this room, we all have goals for something. We have fitness goals. We have financial goals. We have relationship goals. We have Netflix goals. If I'm going to finish this season, I'm going to get to that thing. We all have goals of things that we want. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. As every, and I, I, I think I'm a good parent. They're all here except for, they're none of them here except for one there. I'm not sure if they're going to watch this anyway. I think I'm okay. So one of my children said, uh, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, that's what you want to do. I'm going to help you get to your goal. So this is what we should do and encourage you. And, and, and I'll be like, okay, so when are you going to practice this? And when are you going to start, you know, like you've got to turn off the computer and get out of your chair, walk out of your room and, and do other things, you know. I said, oh, I've got a goal. I said, no, you don't. You have a wish. You have a desire. You have a goal. This goal means you do something. And, and, and actually, that word here is ambitious. To devote oneself zealously to the cause. So we make it our absolute incredible opportunity, zeal, ambition, driving desire to please him. That's what we should do. But I want to challenge us today to actually do that. So I think some of us are like my unnamed child because I have to give them money if I mention who they are and the things. So this way I'm get out of jail free. You don't have to do it. They just had a wish. We, because if we look at this, so we make it our wish to please him. We make it our desire to please him. But what if we were to make it our goal, our ambition, our driving zeal to actually please him? That would radically change everything, wouldn't it? Because then you would turn the computer off. Then you would get out and do all the things that we know my child should do to be that sports person or to do this thing or to do this. I think the challenge that we have, that the reason that eternity seems so far away, our home in heaven, our living for Jesus is that the things now is so 
they capture our heart, our attention, our focus that we can't see, that we should be living for him. And so here's what Paul does. It's masterful. It's amazing. Because I think Jesus has done incredible things for me. I'm so excited and happy that Jesus died for me. He said, forgive me for my sin. But one day I will stand before him in heaven. I'm happy. That's incredible. I'll give my life for this forever. But wait, that's not all. Like this is, this is incredible. Like this is what Paul's trying to say. Jesus has done everything for you. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things that we have done in the body, whether good or bad. What he's saying is like, hey, here's, here's just an extra bit of motivation. If you're going to have this driving ambition and zeal and desire to please God, so you're going to live for him, you're going to honor him in everything that you do, whether people see or not, it's like my running. I'm like, no one will know. I'm just going to give up. I'll turn around. How do you do this? One day, we will all stand before Jesus who is seated on this judgment throne. Now, there's, there's two judgments. Revelation, um, where is it? Revelation somewhere, 20 to 21. By the way, what I thought I'd do um, is I, I want to maybe do a Wednesday night to talk about, I don't really want to do on the weekend all the issues about pre-tribulation, millennial, amillennial, second coming of Jesus and everything in between there. Like, because everyone, some people are so excited about all that type of stuff. I would love to do a, a, a session one night about that rather than doing it on Sunday morning. Uh, I think that's just going to be what, I, that's, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to do that. Uh, so I'll let you know when we're going to do that. I'll pick a night that's not on a connect group week. Um, so we can do that because I think it, it's helpful, it's exciting, um, but I'm not sure that I want to spend this whole Sunday on it. So Revelation 20 or 21, I can't remember where, um, talks about the great white throne of judgment where we, the, the people that have not followed Jesus will face God. And the result of that, and we talked about this last week, of the reality of hell, that they will be cast into the lake of fire and that there's judgment at that particular point. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that his blood is cleansed you from sin, judgment has passed over you. Like the, the, the Passover feast, the angel of death came in the book of Exodus, the blood was, was, was over the front of the door, the angel passed over, judgment passed over. If you follow Jesus, if you love him and honor him, it, it, judgment is passed over. You don't face that judgment. What you do face is the judgment that's talked about in this verse. It's a different Greek word. It means a different place. That's a great white throne in Revelation 20, 21. Someone help me out wherever that is. Or um, in this one, it's called, the Greek is where the beam is seat. So it's a place of judicial uh, place. So it's not the, the um, final throne there that talked about there. So what happens here is that Jesus will, you and I will sit, we'll talk, I don't think we'll sit. I think we might kneel. I don't know what we'll do. But Jesus is going to have a conversation with you and I. And I reckon the question will be, what did you do with what's been given to you? And Jesus teaches on this. And so we can see this in the parable of the bags of gold. I don't have time um, to go through all of this. But in Matthew 25, um, there are three people, three individuals that were given 
um, entrusted with bags of gold. One was given five, one was given three, and one was given one. And they each did something according to, uh, according to those bags of gold. The, the first one, uh, after, after the master had gone away, this is the whole idea. Jesus has given you a gift, a grace, an opportunity, talent, resource, whatever it is that he's given you, and each of us are different. Everyone is different, given a different grace. Uh, that's, that might be an aptitude, a skill. I'm, I, for me, leadership and teaching is easy. For some of you, you're really great at hospitality. The Atala family, they just love having people over there. They're fantastic at doing that. I'm just like, I can't think of everything, all the detail, all that stuff. That's amazing. Other people, like Harley at the back, know how to wire stuff together. Um, how funny it was that Andrew and I were here on Friday night. He was putting it together. And you were telling us, and there's a massive diagram, and we're standing there like, I feel like I'm in Hebrew class again. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yes, fantastic. So we got what we did done. That's why you've got what you got there this morning. But it just I couldn't do, we were like both looked at each other and going, I have no idea what you're talking about. There are other people in church that should be here. They, are the, they will get this done, but I, we did what we could. But there are people that you're just really great at that. And, and what you don't understand, here's what I found in pastoring these many years, is that some of you don't value it because it's not here. And that's rubbish. It's terrible. Oh, it, that's, that's, that's really unfiltered. But I think what I want to encourage you is you have a great gift and grace on your life that you can do incredible things. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's in the sporting field. Wherever it is, it's incredible. And God is like, hey, I'm going to get you to do this. Go for it. That people on the platform maybe, because you go, I can't do that at all. At all. At all. And, and would it would die or struggle to actually do it. That I'm telling you now, what we need to see, that each and every one of us, you're a 10 out of 10, it's something. You're amazing. You're phenomenal at that. So you should do that. So don't underestimate, like so in this parable that Jesus tells, someone had five, someone had three, someone had one. Don't look around. The person with five just got on with the stuff and did it and came back and said, well, I've just got five more. The person with three came, went and did whatever they did and came back and went, oh, I've got three more. The person with one, just like, oh, I'm not sure what to do. I'll preserve it. I'll hold on to it. I'll give it back. And, and Jesus is disappointed in that person. He says, he's a wicked and lazy servant, but he praises the other two. I want to encourage, like what I live for, this verse, I want to hear Jesus say to me, when I stand to him at this judgment seat that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Look, I'm just happy with the first sentence. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm, I'm pumped about that, that God would look at each and every one of you, that he's going to assess what you did. And here's, here's the thing, right? God sees it when nobody else does it. So some of you, you love praying. You love praying. And the Holy Spirit wakes you up at 2 in the morning and you're praying. And nobody here knows about it. And you're praying. You're praying for families. You're praying for people. You're praying for issues. You will stand before God and he's going to say, well done. 
good and faithful servant rather than an Instagram, a, a something that, we, that is temporary and, 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 and transitory and is not going to last, but an eternal word from God that I'm sure will echo in eternity. Suddenly in my heart, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm just, that's it. And then he's going to, I want to reward you. That's why, I'm, 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 that's why this verse is crazy for me because I'm happy that I just get to stand before Jesus. My home is in heaven, and yet he is going to assess everything that I do, and he's going to go, oh, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Good on you. I want to give you something extra. So when we, as Christians, when we stand before God, he's going to say, right, now that you're home, I've got so much I want to show you. I've got so much I want to give you. That's the crazy thing. That's crazy. So what, I think what the question, like what are we going to be judged on? I think from this parable, we see that God's given us something to do. And he, he, we're going to stand before him and he's going to say, okay, what did you do with what has been given to you? So we serve and we honor him. And the expression of what that looks like be in the church, out of the church. It's really, it, it's, not, it's not a church thing. It's a kingdom thing. It's we are serving the Jesus and his kingdom. We are serving him. And so it's all about that. You've got to look at it through an eternal perspective of I have been given so much. And so it's an awesome opportunity to serve him. I mean, we just do it because of what he's done for us. And yet, out of God's goodness and kindness and amazing grace that is just mind-blowing, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to reward you. These light and momentary troubles. So what, what, will, it, what will it actually be? I, I do think it's standing up and, and not sinning. It's, I'm a living for you, Jesus. I'm a living sacrifice. I, there's so many other things. It's your attitude. It's your character. It's... it's how great a parent you are, all the things that you do. It's not just I served on a roster. I mean, I, I think that will be that part, but I don't, I don't think that's so limiting to what God wants to do because we are, we, are, we are incredibly and wonderfully made. So we're creative, we're innovative, we're compassionate, we're kind, we do all the stuff that we do. And I want to tell you, if you're, not, if you're not sure, pray. Say, Lord, well, I've got all these gifts. I've got these talents. And, and it changes in different seasons as well. You don't, because here's the thing. It's not about guilt or manipulation. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you have a little child, it's going to be challenging. If you have an illness or a sickness, it's going to be harder than it would be when you didn't have it. It's going to be different in different seasons. It, here's the thing. One was given five, one was given three, one was given one. One might give him ten, one might give him half, half a bag. It doesn't matter. You've got what you've been, you will be assessed on what you have. Just be faithful with what you have. And at sometimes it'd be a busy season or not. Just really pray. If you're, if you're, what, if you're concerned about that, Jesus says, I don't have this text here, but I'll just read it in Matthew 6. 
Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. There the thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasuries, there your heart will be also. I wonder if the worship team could come. I want us to respond this morning. Got one more point. So if we go to the last one there. So we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to recognize that our tent is temporary. Um, there was another crazy point, but I can't remember what it is. The tent is temporary. Our home is where our heart is, and we want readiness for this reward. But the last thing I think Paul is trying to encourage these Corinthian believers is to be bold. So once we understand that we're looking through, understanding where the, that we're fragile and frail, but one day we'll see him face to face and he will reward us and we'll enter into that joy, that home, that party atmosphere is like, come on. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. And I think there is a sobering part of it. And some of you here, you're like, oh my goodness, I've never thought about the fact that one day I'm going to have to give an account of how I live my life now. If you feel that, that's the fear of the Lord. That's a good thing. That's a purifying thing. That's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the challenge in our world is we're so temporary driven that we want to fixate something else and entertain ourselves and do something else rather than sit and stay in that place where God is trying to nail us on something and go, hey, you need to deal with this. So since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and hope is plain to your conscience. And he goes on and talks about the fact that we are a new creation. You can read the rest of the chapter, which I don't have time to, to do it now, but he talks about the fact that we are a new creation. You know, we don't judge people. Once we, we, we look at them, and God is at work in their life, and yet ultimately we, are, we have this ministry of reconciliation. We have this service of reconciliation. We are the ambassadors, is what he's going to say later on in this chapter. So knowing what it is that one day everyone will face Jesus, we actually need to stop and go, okay. We want to make, we want to try to persuade others. So let's Think about how we could do that this week. I'm so glad you did that, Anthony, just to get us to think about who we could. Because in our world this week, there are people who don't know Jesus yet. And so I want you to pray. I want you to think, I'm going to pray for us. But knowing all of this, we could make it selfish and go, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and fix my life. And that's, that's important. But what Paul's trying to awaken in their heart that, hey, This is all temporary. All of this is going to go. But one day, we need to look with eternal eyes. And so we should have this fire in our hearts to go, I'm going to persuade somebody. I'm going to help them understand who Jesus is. So we could stand this morning. I would love to pray. And, And here's a real practical thing that I've been doing. I've been looking for people that, I mean, there are opportunities everywhere. Jesus said the, the fields are ripe for harvest. But ultimately, there are people in our world that are asking questions of God. 
They're asking questions about eternity. What happens after life? What happens? And they're the fields that are ripe for harvest. There are other people that are not asking anything about God and couldn't care less. We still have an obligation to them, but it's going to be harder. So I've got two people in my life that I'm actually razor focused on. I'm like, hey, they're asking, they're asking questions about God. So I'm, I'm praying with them. I'm, 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 sorry, I'm not praying with them. That would be amazing. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I'm like, these two people, I'm like, God, pray for opportunities. Every opportunity, God at work in their life, Father, do something in their heart. Because what I used to do is I used to come up to them and uh, just talk. And that's really good. That's important. But uh, there's a groundwork of what we need to do. The Spirit of God, be at work in their life. Soften their heart. Open their eyes to see. Cause the difficult situations that they're facing to them to question eternity because God has placed eternity in the hearts of every single human being and so God use that use that chaos over here use that drama in their life for this and so I'd love to pray for those people in your life right now can you think I don't know if you can do it Anthony got us thinking earlier of someone but can you think of someone that God is at work in their life they're asking questions Maybe they're not asking questions, but they're, they may actually, so this is what happened for me. One of these people was just on my mind and my heart. And I'm like, I haven't seen this person for years. And I just reached out on social media, had a great conversation, sat in a coffee shop with them talking about other stuff, not eternal destinies, but I'm on the way there. But I'm just there. So I want to pray for those people in your life. So let's pray and then we'll pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are always at work. You're at work in many people's lives. And Lord, we, in our hearts today, we are compelled. The love of Christ compels us, Paul writes, and it compels us to share this incredible good news with other people. And Lord, on our life, on our mind, on our heart, our people, individuals, families, or whoever they are, we pray in Jesus' name for you to continue to be at work in their life. But we pray, Lord, for opportunities to speak to them, to share with them, for an open door to be able to be with them and use the words where we can to persuade them. But I pray for us that we would have the boldness, the courage that we need to be able to say what we need to say. But I pray for that conviction in our hearts for eternity that we would actually, Lord, just understand that the times in which we live, that the days are short. But we pray for our opportunity. So I pray, Lord, even those people that are there, but beyond that to our spheres of work, family, just opportunities for whatever it is, whether we're shopping, all of that, that we would make the most of those opportunities to make a conversation, to try to persuade people to follow you. And I thank you that we don't do this just in our own strength, but the Holy Spirit is at work in their life and in our life. And so we pray, fill us again and afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.